Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along today as we get in the Word of God, talk about it, and allow it to transform our lives. And there is power in the Word of God, and we always want to submit to what the Bible teaches. With so many messages coming to us day by day, we want to make sure that we're getting into the Word of God and allowing it to renew our minds, the way we think about life, the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about everything. Today we're, we're in a series we've been talking about the message of Jesus, the things Jesus tells us. We're looking at 31 different things that Jesus tells us, and today I want to get to one of the very first things he talked about, and that is his message when he began preaching. We find it in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but look at how he states it here in the book of Mark. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. This was the message of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe in the gospel. What's that mean? The gospel, of course, that we understand that means and Paul explained it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again, was resurrected, and appeared to witnesses. But repentance seems to be preparation for the gospel. Repentance, well, we'll talk about it further. Let's look, let's look at how important this message was as we think about this topic of repentance. And I want to ask you, do you hear people preaching about repentance these days? Does that word, is part of the vocabulary much? How often do you hear a, a good message that really challenges us? We're going to define the word in a minute, but let's look at how important it is. Jesus preached, repent, and believe the gospel. Later on, he sent out the 12, and he summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs, and he gave them instructions on what to take and so forth. And then he says, they went out and preached that men should repent. They got it from Jesus. This was the message. Men should repent. Later on, the apostle Paul was preaching to a place filled with idolatry in Athens, and he was his spirit was bothered by the idolatry he was singing, and he was reasoning with the, the, the uh, unbelievers in the marketplace, and then they called him forth to speak to the whole city and the whole all the philosophers, shall we say, and gave him this major platform. And here's what he said. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, this is how he drew his message to a conclusion. God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Why? For he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. This was his ultimate message, that men should repent. And so, what's this word mean? Probably a lot of us can think about it or heard it or could have a feel for it, but I'd like to look a little bit at the definitions that we actually find. And I'm going to start with Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, if you're not familiar with this book, it's one of the best—actually, it's a great theological dictionary. Noah Webster was a godly man. And the English language, whether you realize it or not, was largely based, the, the people, our founding fathers, so many of them were devout Christians. 
Noah Webster, who had such an effect on our early days and our language, was a devout Christian, and his his dictionary almost reads like a theological dictionary. You can Google Webster's 1828 dictionary, and you can look up any word there, but here's how he defines repent, repentance. To sorrow or be pained for sin as a violation of God's holy law, a dishonor to his character and government, and the foulest ingratitude to a being of infinite benevolence. That's quite a definition. To have this attitude of brokenness and sorrow and grief over sin and how we have offended a holy God, a benevolent God, a kind God, how our sin has offended and pained him. We're pained because of how we've hurt him. F.F. Bruce, in his commentary, The Acts of the Apostle, he's writing about the book Metonea, which literally means a change of mind. And that's literally the, the Greek word repent, metonea, literally simply means a change of mind. But he describes it this way, repentance, or metonea, change of mind, involves a turning with contrition from sin to God. The repentant sinner is in the proper condition to accept the divine forgiveness. I mentioned earlier about that, I'll talk about this in just a moment, but repentance prepares us for the gospel. Repentance gets the heart ready to receive the gospel. Repentance brings us to a point of brokenness over our own sin that we we want forgiveness. The Blue Letter Bible describes it this way in its definitions, to change one's mind, i.e. to repent, metonea. And then the secondary definition, to change one's mind for the better, hardly to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. So to abhor sin. The Vines Dictionary, which I had earlier, and I guess it didn't upload properly for me, basically says the same thing and brings out the same concept. I say this because I'm, I'm, we're all concerned with what's going on in our country, our culture, the secularization, the move away from God. In our culture today, there's such a I'm okay, you're okay attitude, such a if, if it feels good, do it attitude. There's very little contrition, brokenness over sin. Now, I'm not saying people aren't broken, but, they're, but they often think of themselves as a victim rather than as a sinner. I want to say this again. People often, our, our modern psychology, our modern way we deal with, with our problems and our counseling, it often focuses on, I'm a victim. My problems are other people's faults. They've mistreated me. They've hurt me. They've damaged me. Things of this nature. And it's other people's fault the way I am. And the problem with that is, how do you fix yourself if it's someone else's fault? In the scripture, our problem is declared, we, our problem is our fault. We have sinned against God. It doesn't mean others haven't hurt us. doesn't mean others haven't damaged us. But our problem is not the fault of someone else. Our problem is us. Even if someone has hurt us, God gives us grace to, re- to respond and to grow through that situation if we don't resist that grace, but if we receive the grace of God. And so many people 
unfortunately, talk today about healing rather than repentance. Because we're victims who've been hurt, the message is, we'll come to Jesus for healing instead of, I'm a sinner who I've rebelled against God, I'm responsible, and I need to repent of my sin and believe the gospel. I need to ask God's forgiveness for what I have done. Now, if a person doesn't really believe they've offended God, you know, offended God's law, offended, been against God, violated God's holy commandments, why are they going to want to be forgiven? So often, our, again, our message today in our modern evangelism is come to Jesus for emotional healing rather than come to Jesus for salvation and forgiveness. Now, obviously, Jesus brings emotional healing. I'm not denying that people need that. But the heart of it, the heart of what is necessary for people is to take accountability for their own sin and to bring it to Jesus, in, to repent of it. I'm sorry, God. I sinned against you. I'm grieved. I'm pained. I'm, I, I abhor what I've done to you. I abhor, abhor what I've become, how I've broken your law. It's not someone else's fault. It's what I have done. And God, I'm so deeply, deeply, deeply sorry. What can I do about it? And a person who has that spirit and that attitude, they're ripe for the gospel. They're ripe because then when they hear the gospel message, they're not going to debate it. They're going to, it's like water to a thirsty person. It's like, it's like the answer to a person suffering of cancer. It's like the sick person with the physician has the answer. When we realize that God has a law and I've sinned, and, and that's when we look for a solution. This is so very, very, very important. Without it, I question at times how genuine conversions are. I don't know about you. I, you know, I've, I've, I've preached the gospel so often. And personally, I, I've you know, led a lot of people to Christ. But I've also seen a lot of people pray a prayer that I'm not sure they ever really got saved. And often when I look back and I question was their salvation real, I realize that one thing was there often wasn't a genuine contrition over their sin, a repentance, an awareness of what they'd really done. They were willing to receive a free gift. I mean, who wouldn't be? They're willing to ask to, to be forgiven because they acknowledge, well, I'm, I might not be perfect. You say it just, I've missed the mark. Yeah, I've probably missed the mark. But any sense of, but when, when there wasn't a conviction of, I have sinned against God, I've broken the law of God, I'm guilty, then often I have found that, not always, but often I have found that, that there's very little fruit with their alleged conversion, and you wonder if it's really, really true. This is why in the Scripture, I think that in a culture like ours that has largely lost sight of the law of God, largely lost sight of what is right and wrong. And indeed, in our culture, we have people that will justify everything. The early commandments of the, of the Ten Commandments, the first one's about idolatry and having one God and worshiping Him. Our culture believes that all you have to do is have faith in any God. Faith in yourself is okay. We justify every sin out there. My goodness, even murder is being justified in the name of abortion and choice. All kinds of things are justified, just about everything, and we've lost sight of the law, 
and therefore our consciences have become dull and very few people repent. Again, they feel they're a victim, so they'll come to Jesus for healing. But very, but it, the the brokenness. I come to Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. It's just not as common, and it has to do with our preaching. And so I want to encourage you if you're if you're a pastor or a preacher, preach God's law and call people to repentance before you give them the solution. Make sure they understand the problem before the solution. The great physician has come to operate on our soul. But you're not going to let them operate if you're not if you don't think you got a problem. Help people understand the problem, and then give them the solution, and the solution will stick. This is what Jesus did. He preached men should repent. His disciples men should repent. Peter preached men should repent. Paul preached that God's declaring all men must repent. And when they realize what repent from, change my heart, abhor my sin, realize I've been wrong. It's an attitude of I have failed. I'm an, I'm I'm a sinner. God, is there help? Is there a solution for me? And when we understand that, then the gospel is like water to a thirsty person. It's refreshing. It's true, and we receive it with gratitude. Father in heaven, we bless you today. We thank you for your Son Jesus Christ. We confess, Jesus, you are the solution to our problem. We are sinners who have been, are condemned by our sin. We have broken the law of God. We're guilty. We did far more than just miss the bullseye. We violated your holy law. We're far worse than just we're not perfect. Lord, we have failed in what's required of us. And Jesus, we confess that you are the only solution. Give us in our lives as believers a hatred and an abhorrence of sin in us when we have it, and help us, Lord, in others not to have a tolerant attitude. Teach us the answer is not to be tolerant, the answer is to love. We love sinners, but teach us to abhor sin and to call people to repent of it. Help us, Lord, not to have a, 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 a lazy attitude or, a, or a, a wrong attitude towards sin, a tolerant attitude. That sin is okay. It's not that bad. It can be because it can be forgiven. That doesn't mean it's bad. It took you having to die on the cross for people to be forgiven. The greatest judgment, the greatest pain, the greatest atrocity ever that the innocent Son of God would die at the hands of men. That's what it took because our sin was that bad. And we thank you, Jesus, that you bore that sin on the cross. Oh, I pray for our us to understand this. I pray for sinners to understand this. I pray in our churches, and I pray our evangelists. I pray as we take the message to the world, teach us how to say this unpopular message that sin is the problem, and we've all sinned, and we need to repent. Help us speak this with boldness and courage, as did Jesus, as did John the Baptist, as did all the prophets, as did Peter, as did Paul and the apostles. And that might we see a mighty move of God in our land that people would repent of their sin and find salvation in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your holy name. And we thank you that when we do, we receive peace and forgiveness and cleansing fully and completely. The blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all sin. And we claim it today and believe it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. 
I hope you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I hope you have repented and believed. If you haven't, now would be a great time to do it. Just tell him, oh God, I know I've sinned. I am so sorry. I'm broken over it. I wish I, I've done things I wish I hadn't. I've done things I hope I never do again, but I know I need forgiveness. And Jesus, I believe you're the way. Come to him. He'll receive you. He'll accept you. He'll forgive you. He'll make you new. If it does work in your heart, you'll be a new person. Thanks for joining me today. If you're new, a special welcome to you. I hope you'll subscribe to the channel and be here every day, whether live, 8.30 in the morning, or 8.30 Eastern time, or watching later in the day, or listening on the Apple, Spotify, or Google uh, podcast platforms. So glad to have you along. Those of you who are here every day, it's so wonderful to have the privilege of building the Word of God in your life day by day. We need it more than once a week, don't we? Day by day, we're getting the Word. Thank you so much. God bless you. So glad to have you along. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.